Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. To celebrate the release of my new book of devotions on Ephesians for the next little while here on the podcast, I'm going to be releasing talks through the entire book of Ephesians. These talks have been preached in church services, on camps, and in other contexts, and some of them are as old as 2015, some as recent as 2022. Some have been on the podcast before, and some of them are brand new. If you like the talks, hopefully you'll love the devotions. There are 40 days of readings, and they'll take you through the entire book of Ephesians. You can order the book now by heading to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. All right, that's all for now. I hope you enjoy the talk. Well, I wonder if you have had the problem of going out to a fancy restaurant with someone and they say to you, order anything on the menu. I'm paying. And uh, I have this problem sometimes, not that often, people don't often pay for me, but when they do, it's a pretty good problem to have. Someone pays for your food, you get a free lunch or dinner, it works out great. However, choosing what to order can be sometimes a bit stressful because you don't want to order the cheapest thing on the menu because then you might feel like you're insulting them and their generosity. But then you look at the menu and the most expensive thing is there like some huge steak or some fancy lobster and you think about ordering that because how often does someone give you the best thing the opportunity to eat the most amazing food but when you do that maybe you'll be insulting them by ordering the most expensive thing they'll think that you're taking advantage of them so what do you do you so you look and you find the most mid-range thing on the menu that you like to eat and then you order that when the meal comes, you enjoy it, but you feel a little bit stressed about the awkward social dynamics and you're hoping that you haven't offended your benefactor by not ordering the most expensive thing or the cheapest thing on the menu. Well, in today's passage, we see Paul ordering off God's menu as he prays for the Ephesian church. And it's interesting to see what he orders. Is he ordering something cheap, something mid-range, or is he ordering the most expensive thing on the menu? And what does what he orders tell us about what we should ask for when we pray for ourselves? In the passage, Paul begins by saying this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul, after talking about the great blessing of being chosen by God to be in his family before the creation of the world, says he has been moved to give thanks for the Ephesians because he has heard about how much faith they have and their love for God's people. He can be confident in their true faith because he has heard not just about their beliefs, but also about their actions, about their love for everyone. They don't just love the people they like or the people who vote the same way as them or the people who have the same ethnic background or economic status. They love all God's people. Their identity as followers of Jesus has transformed their relationships. Then Paul prays uh, going on to tell the, sorry, then Paul moves on to tell the Ephesians what he's been praying for them and what he is ordering off God's menu. And this is worth paying attention to. 
because how Paul prays for the Ephesians might have something to say to us about how we pray for ourselves and for others. So what would you expect Paul to be praying for? If the Ephesians were facing persecution in their faith, which they most definitely were, then maybe Paul would pray about that. Or if there were Ephesians with serious moral deficiencies, and there probably were, Paul could pray about that. Or if there were sick Ephesians or Ephesians with marital issues or financial stress, he could have prayed for those things. He could order anything off the menu. So what does he pray for? He prays that God might give them the spirit of revelation that they might know him better. He prays that their eyes might be enlightened. I can imagine that if you were the Ephesians, knowing Paul could have asked for anything, this may have been pretty disappointing. As a kid, I remember going to Christmas Day with my grandparents and all my cousins, and it was always exciting because you were sure to get a gift, and it may even be exactly what you wanted. I was never really quite sure what I wanted, but I knew that I would know it when I saw it. And then I'd open my presents, I'd be hoping for something amazing, and it would be a shirt. Not even a good shirt, like a t-shirt, but a button-up shirt with a collar. And then they make you wear it in the family photo day. Perhaps the Ephesians felt the same way about Paul's prayers. Knowing God seems good and everything, but when there are more pressing issues at hand, why pray that they would know God? If Paul is a spiritual giant, why does he seem to ask for such a mid-range thing? Anyone can pray that others might know God better. What would be much more impressive is, is if Auntie Mavis's cancer was healed or Derek the Butcher was rescued from his crippling debt. Maybe Paul is praying for something that's not verifiable so that if it doesn't get answered, no one will be able to have a go at him. Like, how can you quantify how well someone knows Jesus? It's much harder than actually seeing if Jerry, sorry, Derek gets a magic $10,000 to pay off his debt in the next week. Or perhaps Paul knows something we don't know. Perhaps Paul has better ideas about what is truly valuable, perhaps more valuable than any immediate relief from their present circumstances is what Paul is actually asking for. Perhaps God knows that more important than having our material needs met is having our hearts changed. So what specifically did Paul ask for? He asked that the Ephesians might know God. And Paul asked for three things that encompass their past and their future and their present. The first thing he prays is he prays that they would know the hope to which they were called. That's their past. Paul wants them to know with the eyes of their heart what it means to be called by God. To have their eyes opened means that their faith will not be just intellectual, but it will become part of who they are. They will know the true faith and they'll know what it means when they came to faith. And they'll know what it means that they're saved by Jesus. They'll know about his death and resurrection. And they'll know it all in their transformed life. They'll know it all, that they have a future in God's new creation. That they are resurrected. That death will be defeated. That evil will be no more. That Jesus is ruling on the throne. That's the hope to which they were called when God called them out of sin and death into eternal life. And Paul wants them to know that in the center of who they are. And that will transform who they see themselves to be in the world that they live in. Next, Paul prayed that they would know the riches of God's inheritance. That's their future. 
When the Bible talks about God's inheritance, it's a bit ambiguous about what it means. Does it mean the inheritance that God gets or the inheritance that God gives? If we're going to receive God's inheritance, that seems like a pretty bad deal because God is never going to die. If it's the inheritance that God gets, perhaps it means that God gets us when we die. I think what it's actually saying uh, is that when all things come to an end, we get God's inheritance. And while God isn't going to die, we are going to receive everything that is God's. We get God and we get his creation and all things which are his also become ours. That's pretty exciting. I know that when my parents die, it's going to be very sad, but I'm also going to inherit some stuff, and that would be nice, but I would rather keep my parents. In God's inheritance, we don't lose God, we just gain everything, and that's the future for those who belong to him. The final thing he prayed was that they might know God's power, and that's their present. Not only did Paul want the Ephesians to know God's power, but he wanted them to know that that power was for them. This is the incomparably great power for those who believe. He goes on to say that it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The fact that God's people would have access to that power is amazing. It's, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's, it's not the kind of power that you should be giving to just everyday people. I can imagine getting your head around that kind of power would be truly life-changing. I don't know how many customer loyalty programs you're a member of, but I think I'm a member of quite a few. Things I've signed up for here and there for some perk or another. I remember once when Emily, my wife, and I decided to go and stay in the city for a night. We went there just for fun. It just was you know, a nice weekend in the city. And in the morning, we were meant to leave. We were relaxed in our fancy hotel room. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to leave at 11 a.m.? Late checkout, that would be amazing. We could just lie around for another few hours before heading home. But that was the kind of thing that was for more important and richer people than Emily and I. As we were checking out, I looked at the sign at the front desk listing the benefits of being a member of their loyalty club, which I was. And not only did I get 10% off all my bookings, I could also get 20% off all our food and drinks, Plus, I could have got a late checkout too. I asked the guy at the desk, I was like, you know, could, could we, as members, have checked out late? He was like, absolutely. Unfortunately, it was too late to check out late because we were already checking out. But that was a game changer. Whenever we went to stay for a weekend in the city, we'd make sure that we used the power of our late checkout. We could sleep in, we could go for some brunch, we could do a bit of shopping, we could still come back to our room if we wanted to. When we realised the power of our rewards program, our hotel staying was transformed. For the Ephesians to know God's power was definitely more impressive. In the book of Ephesians, power is a big deal because it was a big deal in Ephesian society. There was the power of Rome that would dictate how they could live their lives. And there was the power of magic and of the gods that people would pray to and sacrifice to. And then here comes Jesus and the talk of his power. The question for the Ephesians was, where does Jesus fit within the powers of the Ephesian society? That's why Paul goes on to write about how incredibly powerful Jesus is. He's not just one power among the powers, but Jesus is the power above all powers who rules all and in whom all creation finds its life and being. This is the Jesus who the Ephesians love and serve, and it is his power that the Ephesians have access to. So now we see that 
Paul has been asking for the Ephesians, for what he's been asking for on behalf of the Ephesians, and that they would understand their calling as saved followers of God. They would understand their future as God's inheritors, and they would understand the power that they have access to in their daily lives as people who have been saved by God, who raised Jesus from the dead. And if we think about what Paul ordered off the menu for the Ephesian church, we can see that he ordered something top quality. He ordered the most expensive thing on offer that, if, if it is true, it is totally life-transforming. Now, the Ephesians, uh, they may not have, uh, you know, had really understood what was happening, what he was praying for, because they had also lots of small problems to deal with. But if, if it's true what Paul is praying, if Paul's prayers are really answered, then, uh, then they, they're getting what they, exactly what they need. If Paul had prayed for the small things, then they may have had their you know, receive temporary healing or short-term financial gain or even respite from persecution. But in this prayer, he asks that they might know deep within them who they are. And when they know who they are, the power that is available to them, then they can face anything, not just persecution or family problems or health problems or financial hardship, but any of the myriad of problems that they might face. They are equipped to live a life knowing who they are and seeing their attitude and their experience of the problems transformed because God has transformed their heart. And we can pray in the same way. We can, we can pray that we too might know God and might know his power, that we might know what it means to be his inheritors. There's nothing wrong with praying for material help in your life. Jesus, in fact, tells his followers to ask for their daily bread and to trust that God will provide. There's nothing wrong with praying to see relational problems solved. Jesus taught his followers to ask for help to forgive those who have hurt them. But what Paul shows us here is that we can order big off God's menu when we pray. God wants us to give the biggest and wants to give us the biggest and the greatest things because he's already given us the biggest and greatest things. When we know the extent to which he has gone to welcome us into his family, then we can be set free to ask for whatever we need because we know who God is and what he has called us to. We know what he is giving us and the power he has available to us to answer whatever prayers we need. However, what we also see from Paul's prayers is that sometimes the thing we need most is not temporary solutions to temporary problems. The biggest thing that God wants to change in our lives is not our physical circumstances, but our hearts. Of course, it would be great for Auntie Mavis to be healed, but if her heart is transformed, then perhaps she will be a better witness to those around her of being able to trust God in the midst of suffering. Perhaps Derek could get the money, issue, the money he needs to get out of debt, but perhaps a transformed heart will deal with the issues that got him into debt in the first place. Perhaps God could miraculously solve marital problems, but when the couple truly knows God, they will have what they need to sacrificially love each other. Perhaps God could save his people from persecution, but as they hold fast to God, even when everyone is against them, their courage and the power of the gospel of God will show the watching world the truth of the gospel. The biggest thing that God wants to change in our lives is not our physical circumstances, it's our hearts. 
That means also that we can pray big prayers for our friends and our family. We can pray the biggest prayers on God's menu and know that God wants to answer those prayers. We can pray that they might know God and understand who he is and what he has done for them. And we can trust that God has the ability and the will to work on their behalf. It also means that we can pray for the smaller things too if we want to. It's a changed heart that allows us to ask God for anything and to trust him that he will provide. We don't need to pray the small prayers because we're afraid that God may not want to answer. If we know that he has called us to be part of his new creation, the path to the new creation was forged for us by Jesus in his death and his resurrection. If we know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is for us, then we can pray all prayers, big and small. These prayers only come from a changed heart. We can trust that God will answer our prayers. He may not always do it in the way we want, but he will always answer in the way we need. And how do we know? Because we've seen his character in our past, in our present, and in our future. The better we know him, the better we will be able to live the life that he calls us to in the power that is available to us. Thanks for listening. I hope you love Jesus just that little bit more. If you want to get your hands on the Ephesians devotions, then head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. There you can also find my other books, videos, and plenty of other stuff. So feel free to check it out and don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.